0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Inside Out podcast. My name is Laura Stunbridge, and this is the show where I talk to people about what's going on on the inside and get it out into the open. I explore how people cope with the difficult times and what they do to maintain a positive state of mind day to day. What a brilliant show we've got for you to kick off series one. I'm gonna be talking to a good friend of mine, Alex Marks. So many of you may know Alex as a reality TV star he appeared on our screens earlier this year as The Bachelor 2019. He's a personal trainer in Southwest London, and he's really into his health and fitness. He's a wonderful, fun, loving person, and his story is super inspiring. I can't wait to sit down with Alex and have a really good chat. I'm sure you guys are gonna love listening to this show. So before we kick off, for those of you that haven't heard of Inside Out, it's an app that allows you to access therapy and coaching anywhere, anytime, any place. So searching for coaches and therapists can be an absolute minefield so many different types of coaches and therapists out there. But by completing a simple questionnaire, Inside Out connects you to relevant therapists and coaches who have got the skills to help you. So go take a look at the app. You can find it on the App Store, the Google Play Store. Just search for Inside Out 25. Or you can find us on any of the regular social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, and alike. So now it's time for the show. Hey everyone. So I'm currently sitting here with Alex, otherwise known as the Bachelor 2019.
1: That's me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so thanks so much for agreeing to come onto the podcast. It's great to have you here.
1: My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Before we dive into the conversation, we always start with a quick fire round of questions. Awesome. That's
1: a great idea. Love that.
0: Yeah. So, so our lovely listeners can get to know the people that we're talking to. Mm-hmm. So I've got 10 questions. Just want you to say the first thing that comes into your mind when you hear each question. Great. Okay. So what's the first thing you did when you woke up this morning?
1: I hit the snooze button.
0: Who in this world do you love the most?
1: Uh, my father, my parents, but, but my dad all the more.
0: Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to your teenage self?
1: It's all gonna be okay, buddy. Just you do you. <laughs>
0: burpees or mountain climbers?
1: Mountain climbers. No, burpees, burpees, 100% burpees.
0: Good, now we can be friends. Cool. Where's your favorite place to relax and unwind?
1: in front of my TV, on my sofa.
0: What are you most thankful for?
1: Um, I think having designed the career that I've wanted to pursue.
0: Beach or mountains?
1: Oh, you can't make me pick between the two. Um, I'm gonna say mountains. Yeah, yeah, mountains.
0: Okay. What's the biggest challenge you've had to overcome?
1: Mm, Bouts of anxiety.
0: What day in your life would you most like to relive?
1: Well, that's a good one. Uh, ooh, um, I think probably I drove the road to Hannah on Maui Island in Hawaii about four or five years ago, and it was incredible. Yeah, absolutely beautiful.
0: That sounds amazing. Mm. And finally, Queen or Stones? Queen. So we met a couple of months back um, through some mutual friends at a health and fitness event in Richmond, in London.
1: It wasn't all that healthy, though, was it? I think I had a can of cider in my hand all day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there was lots of people doing exercise and probably twice as many people spectating. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, it was fine.
1: (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, and so I was chatting to one of our mutual friends about Mm -hmm. the podcast and about mental Mm -hmm. health, and they said, oh, you should go and speak to Alex. He'd love to take part in this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And
0: I don't think you knew anything about it at that point.
1: I didn't, I think you know absolutely haven't changed my mind but alcohol just definitely just ran through my head and i was very agreeable to, to be asked <laughs> to be on a podcast in in its in its first case and then obviously um learning a little bit more about why and who, who you are in the podcast and the audience that we're reaching out to yeah absolutely in, inspired to, to sort of and, and thankful to be a part of it
0: so most people will likely know you from reality tv show the bachelor Um, But You're also heavily involved in the health and fitness industry in London. And so we're looking forward to talking to you about health and fitness kind of generally and the association and relationship between that and mental health. Yes. But also kind of specifically sort of honing in on your own mental health experiences. Sure thing. So when we chatted um, previously, you mentioned that you're the youngest of three brothers. So why um... don't we start there? What did your childhood look like?
1: My childhood was, was... I think on reflection I was had had the most amazing opportunities as a child. My mum and dad would always put me in sort of summer camps, whether it being sporting on the tennis or sort of adventurous bits and pieces. I was you know, I went to Cubs and Scouts and that was all really fun. I think in my teens, um, I found it quite hard to be socially accepted um at the school I was at, boarding school. Um I think for a number of reasons. I think I wanted to always please everybody and I was sort of so stubborn in that that was the right thing to do and be in everybody's good favor as opposed to sort of the opposite of that and that that sort of led me to be a bit of an in-betweener I think um and I wouldn't necessarily I was quite sporty I loved sport I loved athletics so I sort of like hung out with the cool kids who were really sporty and then but then would defend the bullied that were perhaps a little bit more academic and um and somehow, sort of, perhaps, sort of found myself in the middle and not really fitting in anywhere. So I think uh, I think that sort of led to sort of quite heavy amount of bullying. But then also, sort of, I think a lot of that was um, was myself being my, my own biggest critic, not knowing sort of who was right to go and hang out with, and sort of really worrying and and, and sort of fearing judgment from both ends of that sort of social spectrum so I sort of found myself really isolating myself and sort of probably probably being quite depressed for a number of years with that then clearing up to sort of closer to the time I finished so upper sixth where I was actually given a position of responsibility I was um, asked to be deputy head boy and 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 yeah and that sort of I guess that built a lot of confidence in me as well as sort of finding the gym to sort of give me a little bit more sort of yes stability in my own mindset as to sort of where i stood in my school and and socially
0: yeah so your childhood has obviously had a, a major impact sort of moving through into your early adolescence and then through to where you are now in i guess in your life
1: yeah yeah absolutely i think i think the, the one of my greatest life lessons growing up especially in my adolescence sort of pre 18 19 pre university i guess was in the gym and mm. and i found myself sort of um, one of the things that I found myself being bullied about most wasn't just sort of social acceptance but I put a lot of that onto what the the words the bullies were using and that was that I was really tall skinny and spotty I found myself in the gym like I, I use the the gym to sort of grow muscles to feel stronger in myself so one of the one of the key moments I guess in my adolescence pre-university was finding the gym and uh, I owe that sort of a huge debt of gratitude to uh, who uh, a gentleman called David Payne who was a PE teacher and pastoral head of my sixth form year who literally grabbed me off the rugby pitch having been knocked about by kids that were half my height and threw me into the gym and he made me train arms as cliche as it sounds I did 20 minutes of bicep curls couldn't move my arms for a week and absolutely fell in love with the process and haven't really looked back since I went to university to study to be a PE teacher, which is what his profession was, because I thought that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to help others. And actually, I learned that I didn't really have the patience to work with children <laughs> or the desire to be a school teacher, but did love positively affecting others. And through strength training, resistance training, and personal training, that sort of just came together. So I was lucky enough to choose a lot of my modules at university around varied areas of sports science. And that has brought me to where I am today, I guess I, I'm a personal trainer. Have been for ten years, so I owe it all to you, David Payne. If you're listening, that thanks so much, buddy.
0: Isn't it great that sport and exercise can play such a positive role in people's lives? You know, and touch so many young people early on. And I just know, thinking back now, so like when we're, I was at school, and you know, there probably were a lot of people suffering with anxiety and stress, and body image, and all the other kind of like different forms of addictions that that happen. I mean, less so social media, because that didn't exist, um, you know, whilst we were at school. (laughs) But, you know, sport is such a great outlet for people that are feeling, you know, sort of low about themselves or stressed about exams or anxious about making or meeting new friends.
1: Yeah, I I think, I think sports, you know, a great vehicle. It serves to help us in many ways that you wouldn't otherwise find in the classroom. I think being physically present with yourself, you know, and this is something that I preach even today that you know, seeing sweat pour off your forehead, mm-hmm. feeling your heart race and sort of hearing your breath quicken or shorten, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, is, is a really, really positive thing. And that's often found on a, a sporting pitch or court. I think it also teaches us a whole lot more about our sort of physical toughness, which I think can radiate into your mental toughness. I think, mm-hmm. you know, when there is a goal of whether or not you're working towards it accumulatively within a group or a team, or if it's an individual sport, you know, there's a lot to learn about yourself and, and um, I guess your resilience at hardship, you know, your your eagerness to achieve and, and succeed or win, which I think potentially has a correlation with, you know, success in career and further in life. So I would wholeheartedly promote sport in, in childhood.
0: Yeah, I think team sports are so important for kind of building communication skills, building teamwork skills.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned about having anxiety and depression at school. Did you realise that back then as a teenager that's what was happening or did you just have these feelings and were like, I don't really know what's going on but I just don't feel happy in myself?
1: I think there was definitely a sense of me feeling unhappy because I didn't feel in. And I think there, were, there was sort of a few memories I had of being dropped off at boarding school and not wanting to leave the car you know, and crying to my mum saying, please don't make me go in there. I really don't want to go back. Please, can we just go home? Can I come back on Tuesday? And I think that was sort of because I was both anxious and depressed, depressed that I was going back into quite a isolated situation where I knew when I went in there, nobody would really say hello or, or pay me sort of the credit or time, or at least I didn't know how to engineer conversations that would sort of Positive. I think I was genuinely an overthinker as well. And I think I was also probably quite anxious about going about trying to do that because I don't remember or, or wasn't capable of communicating in a way that was just deemed okay more socially acceptable but i think a lot of this again was just built up in my own head i think i was probably overthinking it all
0: and do you think your mum picked up on any of those feelings and emotions at the time
1: yeah i mean my my parents are incredible human beings and i would never (laughs) never trade them but i think they probably they, they understood where i was at i just think that they knew that or at least that one of their methods was to just say you know get back in there you know, you're at boarding school, these things do happen, but you'll come out stronger for having experienced them, uh, which might have been sort of a, an old school way of thinking. But yeah, they, you know, they, they, they did the sit quietly with you and, you know, everything's going to be okay, but I don't think sort of had conversations with me of meaning or, or lent suggestion of how I could sort of change the outcome through conversation, nor did my brother's so uh, who were living their own lives and sort of perhaps unavailable for their young brother who was 10 and 13 or 12 years younger than them so
0: but i guess this is also sort of 15 years ago where the conversation around mental health you know just didn't exist people weren't talking about it they didn't know mm-hmm. what anxiety and stress were or at least children didn't know what it were. whether adults did is, is another um another matter but yeah
1: and that's that's childhood and i think you know, there have been elements of everything that i've talked about here from my teens and adolescence I think all the way through to sort of my late twenties and perhaps even to this day, and I think sort of there is this tunnel vision that a lot of people experience, which you know is anxiety, um, and it can be quite crippling. It can shut down a thought process and your productivity from day to day. And yeah, you know, I've I've spoken to um, I think a number of therapists, one recently, to sort of manage this newfound. Um, I guess, popularity, social popularity, having been on the TV show. Um, and she was fantastic, but also a therapist to just really help out with some day-to-day sort of relationship anxiety as well. And, and, and that was um, really pivotal for me because I learned an awful lot more and sort of started to learn that actually I needed to not give as many fucks <laughs> and not take life so seriously. That has been, you know, really, really, really fantastic learning experiences for me to combat day-to-day anxiety
0: so is the anxiety that you're experiencing today does it feel the same as the anxiety you experienced as a child or as a teenager or do I you think, think or it's kind of modified as, as you've gotten yeah, older I think
1: modify i was about to say sort of it's evolved but i think it's probably it hasn't evolved because it's not got worse i think it's i think it's modified from circumstance to circumstance i think i'm familiar with the word anxiety now whereas back then i wasn't and probably wasn't even five years ago when i first went and saw a therapist I think, you know, understanding a little bit about these feelings and sort of understanding why and when they occur has helped me come back above the line of positivity and see clearly in the whole picture rather than just the tunnel that can so often sort of consume people in an anxious state.
0: So what does anxiety mean to you? and w- What's your experience with it? How does it make you feel? What symptoms do you experience?
1: So I can't eat. <laughs> I don't eat. I just feel like body's shut down, and um, and I will want to go to sleep, or I will want to watch binge watch Netflix. Those are sort of like symptomatic things that I do. I guess triggers for it is just sort of self doubt and fear of judgment, which is probably not um, all too dissimilar from anybody else that might be just sort of experiencing anxiety in many different walks of other people's lives but um but yeah that's that's what i experience
0: knowing that you have the tendency to experience anxiety and then being selected to appear on the bachelor as the bachelor so how did being the star essentially of a a national tv show either preempt some of those feelings of anxiety or promote them
1: well this is i think this is sort of probably where it it might be quite a sort of seems quite silly because i'm actually quite a confident guy and i love meeting new people i don't think sort of anxiety or bullying the experiences have put me off and they haven't certainly hid me away so first of all when i was asked or asked to be the bachelor i took it as a huge compliment and a massive opportunity to sort of take a take a break or a sabbatical from work and go and actually invest some time and energy in finding romance and hopefully a partner um and and yeah, I didn't necessarily get nervous or ang- anxious in the initial stages of the show, but then increasingly grew, my, the, the anxiety grew, with, I guess with the, with the intensity of the relationships of the girls that I grew to know and really like, because I had to say goodbye to them and managing that was tricky because i was in charge of a lot of hearts and minds beautiful hearts and minds um and as relationships grew you you knew you had to sort of get the numbers down from i met 19 beautiful women down to one Mm. was bloody difficult and you know you've got an awful lot of responsibility there and i don't i didn't at any stage enjoy rejecting somebody and i think you know for from the girl's perspective you know they might have just seen the knife being held in my hands, but it didn't matter what side of that blade you were on. Rejection really stings. Like, I mm, don't like being silly. in the hand that rejected people. And having to do that 18 times was was a really tricky job. And, I, you know, I felt guilty getting to know people, asking them to open up perhaps more than they already... any. More, more than they had done with previous relationships, only for them to sort of be rejected on national TV like that's a huge responsibility and and um a lot of those pressures sort of hang around certainly for months after filming, even really until after broadcasting, which was five months after we finished so yeah, probably for about six months I had sort of a little bit of anxiety around how the girls might be feeling um having had them having had no control in the editing booth. And and or me. So yeah, it was a very very testing experience for both me and the girls, but uh, or women. Um, I just keep saying girls, and that's so bad. But I just you know that's what I do. So forgive me for that. So so yeah, it was it was tricky. It was tricky. But I didn't feel at any point whilst I was in either South Africa or Antigua, the two locations we filmed in, as though I had any tunnel visions of anxiety or depression. I I, I stayed clear of that because. I think probably in hindsight, and this is just me sort of unravelling my own head now, is that I was away from home and work where a lot of the triggers of fear of judgment lie. So I think perhaps sort of being free from that meant that I had less anxiety.
0: That's really interesting that you've made that connection between the anxiety kind of stemming from home life relationships Mm. to being filmed on a national TV show with yeah. a production crew around you with 19 other girls, you know, be that, you know, the, obviously that, that number gets less over time, but not feeling the pressure there.
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's because I think there's an element here where, whereby I knew when I was away filming The Bachelor that I was only ever going to be myself and that I was going to live presently with myself and everybody that was in front of me, whether it being off camera, with the um, with the crew or on camera with the cast um and those that sort of I made a pact with myself that I wasn't going to fear judgment from these people because I knew I was only ever going to be really nice like I was only gonna reflect who I am and I think you know to meet new people you, it's almost like a fresh start so whereas and the opposite of that being back here at home people that and pre you know pre-existing relationships with you know other industry folk or or friends or um, you know your network I suppose people sort of perhaps may have cast a judgment about who I am for being me and I also think I was probably at an advantage being the bachelor and being the the apple of every girl's eye (laughs) so I think you know I think perhaps that was sort of freeing almost
0: I mean you could see the emotions you know just watching it back on tv when it aired on both sides you could see the girls getting, you know very upset and emotional with some Mm. of the decisions that were being made (laughs) um but you you know you could also see that within yourself as well sort of the disappointment and the oh have I made the right decision you know and I I think that came across in the way that it was edited and I think the production team have have done a a pretty good job from what I can tell
1: yeah I think the production team did a fantastic job I think Mm. there were I think there was there were a few things that you guys didn't see this and perhaps this is a step too far so channel five please don't be too upset if you hear this, I think the show could and should have been a little longer you, you may have if you watched the show thank you so much firstly but two um it was nine and a half episodes almost 10 10 hours of television and we filmed for eight weeks and you saw a lot of kissing dating and rose giving ceremonies whereas actually you know there was a lot of time invested in getting to know one another and some really beautiful conversations between me and the girls girls and me and then probably amongst amongst them as well so it was quite frustrating to see that people saw so little about the whole process and it perhaps like lent to sort of all of the emotions being quite amplified for perhaps no reason or little reason as to why but i'll tell you now and i'm sure anybody that's watched any reality tv you are becoming more aware that what you witness it's like a pressure pressure cooker eh? whether it be love island the bachelor big brother i'm a celebrity whatever it might be you know, you're in an environment that is quite closed. You don't have your mobile phone. You don't have access to any distraction that you might normally have. You can't go down to the pub. You don't have your best friends at the end of a text message. So it, it is a very stressful environment for everybody to participate in. But but yeah.
0: Did you ever dream that you would end up where you are today? You know, working in health and fitness, being a reality TV star, and having accomplished all the things that you've accomplished.
1: I'm not sure I had any expectations of what life might look like growing up. I just always knew that I would just sort of follow my nose. There was no uh, predetermined career cut out for me by my parents. There was no pressure to do anything. So the, the short answer is no, but I'm very thankful to have been given the opportunity to be the Bachelor. And yeah, I mean, I think I'm incredibly proud of my own achievements in my career, which... Which I don't tell myself often enough. I think, you know, I try and do a gratitude lists in the mornings, and um, I think it's quite easy to overlook what I've accomplished. And, you know, so every now and again, someone will jog jog me, you know, give me a note on the side and say, Wow, you should be really proud of your studio. It looks amazing. On Instagram, I've seen it. You know, from time to time, I'm like, I actually let that sit and sort of let myself bask in the, that achievement because I don't think. As adults, we do that often enough.
0: You know, you've mentioned your mum and dad and your, your brothers a few times. Your family's obviously really important to you, and you know, you're very close to to your family. From the sounds of things, at what point did you or have you told them about you know, your battles with anxiety and how have they reacted? You know, were they supportive?
1: I haven't really <laughs> um, told them that you know I suffer from anxiety. I, I don't think it's a conversation that. I've wanted to share with them, I think even to this day. I think they they know that I've seen therapists through the back of the show. They knew I saw a therapist for a short while um, towards the end of a a relationship that I had in the past that sort of helped me sort of gain reasonable understanding and, and sort of start to not fear judgment so much. But I don't think it's a conversation that they themselves would be capable of having. Like I've mentioned earlier, or if I if I if I haven't, then it's probably because they are quite old school, and I do feel like I am the much younger brother in a family that is closer connected through their career choice or their career path. My two older brothers are managing directors of my father's business, um, and they're all loosely connected in politics of which where my mother's career lies and then there's me 10 years younger than my next older brother um who's a personal trainer and they've contributed to wanted to try and help me grow my business but it is alien and it's alien conversation for them and i don't think that at any point there has been the opportunity to talk about anxiety freely because i don't think they understand enough about it this is, this is the contradiction, isn't it? Because we're, we're here to, on a podcast to try and raise awareness about mental health and the conversation around it should be diluted, it shouldn't be taboo. But there's me saying, actually, I've not told my parents that I suffer with anxiety. I've not had a conversation with my brothers down the pub about it. So, you know, perhaps I need, need to pull the trigger and actually say, guys, like, I, you know, I want, I want to talk to you about this kind of stuff. This is what goes through my head. This is how I act and why I act certain ways. So perhaps this is the push that I need to, to, to be able to do that. Um, I think it's generational.
0: Absolutely, I
1: think I think you know. There's, yes. um, I am in a social media age. I'm 31, so I'm probably at the far end of that bracket. There are 18 year olds with Instagram, 16 year olds with Instagram now. So you know, I think that has played perhaps negatively on my my mental mindset. Certainly off the back of the TV show and perhaps before, because you know, so often we are guilty, even if it's only for a split second in the day, of comparing ourselves to somebody that is perhaps. Uh, less experienced in their career but has 20,000 to 100,000 or more followers and clicks per post and um, you wonder why that isn't you or you should be doing something differently to do that so that has played into my to my mental health and and um more over sort of other life experiences and, and um, yeah I need to I need to pull my own finger out my own ass <laughs> and have real genuine conversations with my with my old man and mum uh, that you know I do get anxious from time to time and these are the triggers and I just want you to know that I'm okay but you know this is me
0: so How do you think that they will feel if they hear this first before you've had a chance to speak to them
1: i just i'm actually kind of looking forward to it I think, <laughs> I think this is actually sort of like an opportunity for them to hear it from the horse's mouth without me actually having to say it to them it's almost like um about somebody coming out to their parents <laughs> you know it's that kind of like nervousness because you you know you hope that they will respect and understand you i assume and and sort of love you for it but but you know to share to share that sort of information um with anybody that doesn't know and perhaps will judge people for having a mental health issue. You know, can be quite a daunting task. I would guess that this is sort of my coming out—that <laughs> I have a mental health. I'm not I don't have. I'm not diagnosed with anxiety, or I have been diagnosed mm-hmm. with depression before, but didn't take medical um, intervention for that. Fought through it myself. But yeah, I would I would say that you know it's 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 a worthwhile conversation having because it's it can be freeing. And my closest friends, one of whom I believe that will. Here on your podcast as well david burt has sat me down and said look dude i can tell you you're not being yourself like you're clearly quite anxious about something let's have a chat about it and he's pulled me to one side on a few occasions just being like hey dude i can recognize things things are going wrong and he's been fantastic and a a real sort of lifesaver i guess not literally but you know he's helped me turn my mindset around and and i continue to do this for clients uh, when they come into my studio who are suffering with um Yeah, anxiety about relationships and career and their body image and body confidence and, you know, their inability to do something. And that's where I love and why I love exercise for both myself and for my clients because it does radiate positivity into all of those areas of your life that can negatively affect your mindset.
0: I think there's definitely an educational piece that needs to be done um, amongst different generations. I know, you know, every time I've tried to speak to my mum and dad about my feelings and my emotions, they just go silent on me and don't necessarily always know how to respond. But it's also a case like that generation didn't talk about mental health. You just got on with it. You fought through. Everything was okay. you know, it was a weakness for you not to be okay. Whereas now, you know, more people are talking about it and our generation and those younger than us, you know, it's going to become the norm where people will talk about it like they do their physical health. And I think that's then kind of like looking at the fitness industry, where the fitness industry almost needs to go. You know, it's not just about physical health. It's not about the way that you look in terms of building muscle mass, shedding body weight, whatever it is. It's actually about the mental mindset of that individual as well and I certainly think that there's something that the personal trainers and you know anybody working in a gym or any sports coaches whatever it happens to be whoever are those kind of like pivotal people in individuals lives that are helping them on their fitness goals need to be aware of and kind of taking a stance on looking after both mental and physical health
1: yeah I I agree I think you know I have read books with neurolinguistic programming, CVT behaviors, and obviously experienced a lot of this through therapy myself. And, you know, it's through my own experiences I'm able to sort of draw upon to help others in the gym. But I do think that there are advantages for personal trainers to do some studying on this subject matter themselves and perhaps get qualified in those areas to further help face-to-face you know, with their clients.
0: I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and we were talking about this idea of having a module for personal trainers to do that informs them about mental health, um, gives them the skills they need to listen actively. Mm to have those conversations with their clients so that they then know how to react if someone does open up and my friend was just saying you know I had a, a lady come in to see me and we spent 20 minutes talking through her emotional state before we even got down to actually doing any of the personal yeah. training
1: yeah 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 that's happened that happens with me and a lot of the trainers that work in my studio regularly like you know exercise breaks down barriers not just physical but also emotional and that it you know is an emotional journey in itself but people do look to the gym as an outlet for, it's a, it's a form of therapy, Mm. you know, so, you know, I, I, there are probably, you know, one or two clients might shed a tear bi-weekly, pass through my front doors. And, you know, it will be for a very, very number of reasons, joy, as well as sort of like, you know, a show of an emotion. Um, but I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think it'd be fantastic for, um, Governing bodies and also uh, personal training qualifications to to look at that to look at how to listen effectively mm-hmm. to draw information out from clients that will better help you understand them and show and and help them with their progress.
0: So, if there are any personal trainers listening to this that this resonates with and they're thinking, "Yes, absolutely, we need to do this." What advice would you give to them?
1: I think I think most personal trainers that I know certainly ha- are able to empathize with all of their clients and i think that that's probably a trait that i would look for in a trainer should i be looking for one myself Mm. um yeah empathy is huge not not to pull the ball over their eyes and sort of like escape doing the work but to understand somebody emotionally as well as sort of help them in in that context as well but then also be able to sort of translate that physical wealth of movement into sort of mental you know like i said like lifting weights being becoming familiar with failure through lifting weights helps you grow in mental toughness not just physical as well and then you can translate that radiate that into other areas of your life whether it be relationships or career or uh, social so so yeah i think i think that is my one piece of advice is that personal trainers you know you should understand empathy and and if you struggle with that look for the definition and then look for something that you can be empathetic about next time you step onto your gym floor and speak to a client of yours
0: yeah that makes sense and i think people shouldn't be scared to actually ask the question of are you okay and then listen to what the answer is because all too often people say i'm okay and they say i'm fine but are you really fine oh
1: we're so guilty of that aren't we (laughs) like oh my goodness especially as brits right as british men and women like oh, are you okay yeah great i'm okay thanks cool great cool and then it's sort of like that's the to any conversation but i think actually if we're talking about mental health in this aspect i don't think i think there's two things to look at here one i don't think it's good enough to just ask are you okay and also on the flip side of that just answer yes i'm okay because that question in itself sh- should be or should bear some importance either from the person that's asking it because they've recognized something that might be amiss or the person that's answering it, you know, yeah, I'm okay, but I don't really want to be too vulnerable and share and open up how I'm actually truly feeling. Um, I think there's moments when you're with your best friends, when you get asked that question, sometimes you just say like, no, mate, actually, I'm not half knackered. I'm, I'm exhausted, I'm tired. And then it's a much bigger conversation. And I think that whether you're men, whether you're male or female, like, you know, it's, it's a conversation that is worth having so if you feel like you know you're putting a filter on a conversation by saying yeah or by just saying yeah I'm okay don't try it out like taste those words come out of your mouth and like just see if the conversation can't help you especially if you're speaking to best friends down at the pub or wherever it might be on the on in the change room warming up to go out before rugby or you know in the gym locker room or i don't know wherever anyone else goes goes out you know even if you're five shots down on a night out or you know first glass of pims in the summer just share how you're feeling because i think that is in itself um sharing your mental state and being vulnerable you know as as cliche as that sounds is the first step to combating and raising or combating mental health your own mental health and how it can be negative but also being a part of the conversation of mental health which is not a big issue like i truly truly believe that we exercise and train our muscles our our respiratory system cardiovascular whatever it might be just the same or we should just the same as do that with our brain and our mental health so i think you know it's just another muscle it's just another organ train it
0: yeah i mean it's like the most complex organ in the body, you know, if anything's wrong with our heart, our lungs, our liver, our kidneys, we go and seek help immediately. But as soon as the brain's out of kilter and the chemicals are imbalanced and we're not behaving in the way that our personality normally is, then why are we not taking action about it? And it's because we're scared. We're, you know, we don't know how people are going to react to us. Discrimination is still a big part of people's lives, both you know socially and also professionally in the workplace. And I think ever since I started, you know, on this mission to try and open up the mental health conversation and using my own personal story and journey to enable others to do the same, I now wake up to messages from friends pretty regularly, you know, saying thank you so much. I now understand what you've been talking about. You know, this has happened, that's happened. I feel this way. Can I grab 5 minutes with you? I want to talk to you about yeah. this particular situation and I'm finding out even within my immediate friendship group that there are a lot of issues and a lot of concerns and worries that people have that I knew absolutely nothing about. But I'm so happy that people have told me because now I can help them.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's so powerful. Like as soon as sort of people break down the barriers of this stigma that mental health is a massive issue, the healthier we will all be. And I think actually, you know, everybody is capable of listening. Everybody's capable of talking. So if you're capable... Do both you know don't shy away from from like you know asking those questions can we go for a five minute chat or picking up the phone or sending a text message to your mum or you know or somebody that perhaps is closer in age and that isn't isn't generationally different initially at least yeah i, th- I just don't think mental health should have a stigma it, it should not be a taboo subject and it doesn't have to be all consuming and the more that we delay having conversations or at least i feel as though the more that we delay having conversations around uh, how we're feeling emotionally the worse that feeling is going to get and then a mental health issue will arise i think if you are much more casual in sharing conversation about anything that's gone wrong you know a problem shared is a problem halved so get out there and just share your shit basically
0: and I think there's always people that will listen, right? Even if you don't feel you can open up to your friends or your family, you know, there are charities out there, mine, the Samaritans, Frank, um, and numerous others that people can search for on Google um, and find the help that they need. So you appear like you're in a great space now.
1: Thanks, man. Thank you, yeah. Happy,
0: confident, relaxed?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think sort of work stresses, you know, they still fly around. In terms of sort of where I sit, what I'm comfortable and happy for is, you know, My friends, my housemate, my gym, my family, and it's summer and it's 35 degrees outside. Um, So yeah, sorry if you're listening to this podcast and it's a little bit colder, but we all (laughs) have the same day. Um, But yeah, no, I'm I'm in a good place. I'm in a really good place. And I think better for having friends that are capable of having conversations around my personal mental health um, and also having been to see a therapist at times where really I had put off and, and let things manifest into to to, to places where, you know, I, I was breaking. So if yeah, my words of advice at this stage are just to just to chat to chat to your mates that are equipped, um or you think that are more likely equipped to help you. Um, and never fear seeking professional help because, you know, I I am just a personal trainer. I'm not a um psychologist Uh, you know i'm not qualified to to do all of that but you know these guys have trained for years and can really 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 help you so just like you would see a physiotherapist for a sprained ankle or a personal trainer to uh, change your body shape or a doctor because you've got a virus go to therapist and have a conversation exercise your brain
0: well i think on that bombshell of a note um that's a a really powerful way to to end this conversation it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you alex
1: yeah rocket inside out for the win love it (laughs) (laughs) cheers guys
0: What a great show that was to kick off the first episode of the Inside Out podcast. I literally loved every minute of talking to Alex. He's such a beautiful human and a lovely guy both on the inside and out. Thanks, Alex, for coming on to the show. Next week, I'll be chatting to Hugo Taylor. You may know Hugo from TV's Made in Chelsea, but Hugo also has a really strong business head and runs Taylor Morris Eyewear, a luxury sunglasses brand. Hugo's going to be sharing his story with addiction and growing up in the limelight. To so get that episode as soon as it comes out when you subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify and all the other places you'd go to find a podcast. Just search for Inside Out. If you need support and would like someone to talk to, don't forget you can download the Inside Out app from the Google and Apple Play stores and access coaching and therapy wherever you are, whenever you need it. Or if you need urgent help, the Samaritans are on hand 24-7 and can be contacted by dialing 116-123. Please do make sure that you seek advice from a trained medical practitioner if changing any medication or self-diagnosing. So until next week, thanks again to Alex, our producer, and all you lovely people for listening. So have a great week, everyone. Think happy vibes. And as always, don't forget to let the inside out.